So when we talk about uh, Tudong, uh, which is normally referred to, uh, or what people normally mean when they use that word, is uh, monks going off wandering through the countryside or through the forest. Um, so we usually uh, think about monks taking their umbrella tents and their bowls and uh, going walking. Um, and we say that that is Tudong. And these uh, umbrella tents, they can have some kind of special holy significance uh, to them in that they can ward off danger. And there are some monks who went into the forest and uh, put up their umbrella tents and elephants came uh, and it was very dangerous but they managed to survive the experience. But it's not sure as well and it depends on the karma that we've made in the past too. <clears throat> there was one monk called, sorry, so there was <clears throat> one monk, uh, Lumpur Ban, who did a lot of Tudong. And uh, he ended up one time in a forest in uh, Sarapuri province. And this was maybe a hundred years ago that he went. Um, and he put up his umbrella tent, um, but then a huge elephant came and uh, challenged him. And this was a uh, quite a kind of delinquent elephant. And just like people have different characteristics, different personalities, elephants do as well. And some are very aggressive, um, some are unruly, and some are well-behaved. And there are also elephants that are bodhisattvas as well. Um, but this elephant uh, that came was one of the unruly kinds. But uh, Lumpur Band, he went into deep meditative state. And so there wasn't any danger that came towards him. And he was able to uh, come out of the experience with his life intact. And Lumpur Rusi, one of his disciples, said that at that time, his mind wasn't even in his body anymore. It was just his body that was sitting there in meditation. Um, and if he had died, it would have just been his body that died because his mind had left already. So it makes me recollect one of the Buddha's past lives when he was a Rusi as well. He was a recluse, a hermit. And he jumped off a cliff in order to feed a tiger. And this tiger had, fell, had fallen down into a chasm and it wasn't able to feed its children. Um, and it was so hungry that it was thinking of eating its children. So the Bodhisattva saw this and wanted to preserve this mother's integrity so it wouldn't eat her own children. So he jumped off the cliff instead to offer his body for the tiger to eat. But times are different now. Um, and, and so it's possible to meet these animals in many different places. We don't have to go into uh, national parks anymore. 
Um, but there was one time that I was going through Kaoyai, the largest national park in Thailand, uh, with Mpo uh, Somchai and Ajahn Tong. And there were many other people on this trip as well. And um, a huge pack, a uh, group of elephants um, came along on the road that we were traveling on. They surrounded the cars. And so they were there walking around the cars and um, some were looking quite aggressive. Um, they'd been foraging in the forest for food. Um, but when they made it out onto the road, uh, we just happened to be there. There were 30 people in the cars, including over 10 monks. And so I was thinking, well, what should I do? Because it's looking like the situation is getting quite dangerous. That if one of these elephants decides to stomp on one of the cars or tries to damage the cars, it could get pretty dangerous. And so I got out of the car and went into the middle of the road and uh, spread metta to the elephants. Initially, uh, one of them was looking very aggressive and had its ears out, which means that it's uh, feeling very angry and it's about to charge. But after having spread matter to it, it started flapping its ears, um, saying or communicating that uh, it's in a more friendly mood. And so I was very close to these elephants, um, but there wasn't any danger there. But the mind needs to be strong in those cases, and samadhi needs to be very firm. So now times have changed, and we don't even have to go into the forests anymore. But the elephants, they come out of the jungle to look for food, because there are a lot of them these days. Their population's increased, and the food in the forest has decreased. And so one of the monks who was traveling here, Ajahn Samwang, uh, on his way to this monastery, he stopped off for the night in Ajahn Tong's monastery at Wat Gangwai. And he arrived at 1 a.m. and just put his tent out uh, by the monastery gate next to his car. And uh, the layperson who was staying with him did the same. And he was thinking it would be a very nice place to sleep. It was very still, very quiet and peaceful. But as he was lying down, he heard uh, this loud thumping sound coming towards him. And he looked out of his tent and saw there was an elephant uh, walking right past. So this reminds me of another time when there was a monk who was staying in a forest and he put up his tent and then went away to do walking meditation, came back again and saw that there was a huge rock that was right next to his tent. But he didn't think anything of it, so he went in to meditate. But he was um, a little bit confused as well, and thinking, well, why was this rock not there before? You know, just one hour ago, it wasn't there, but now it is. And after a while, the rock started to move, and he noticed it's an elephant. And so elephants, they can be very patient. They can hang around for a long time, and this one did. 
Now, tigers, they come and go very quickly, but elephants can stay for long. So there are also times when monks have gone to Tudong through the jungles. And there was one time a monk in Prachinburi uh, went into the national park and he ended up by doing the Nesachik practice, the practice of not lying down for the whole night because he spent the entire night up a tree. He was getting away from an elephant that was charging him and the elephant spent the whole night standing next to the tree. And so the monk spent the whole night um, practicing this ascetic practice of not lying down, um, stuck up at this tree until the morning. So we have these two dong practices of uh, not lying down, of uh, just eating one time in the day. And these are to uh, refine or um, cut away at the defilements in the mind. And so at Sajan Tong's monastery during the rains, they are practicing many of these um, ascetic practices, just eating the one time. Uh, they don't use any cell phones uh, during the rains retreat. And so they have this intention to train themselves uh, during that time. But getting back to Ajahn Samwang, who was sleeping outside uh, the monastery gate, an elephant came past. When the elephants had gone by, he told his uh, disciple who had driven him that an elephant just walked past, but this disciple didn't believe him. And then very soon after that, two more came right by. So we don't need to go into forests anymore to see wild animals like this. So these dangerous creatures, they can help us actually during our meditation. Because if we are intense in cultivating our minds, then uh, they, their presence brings up fear, which forces us to stay with our meditation object, just being with the word Buddha so the mind reaches stillness. So these animals can help our minds to become calm and still. The fear that we have of tigers, of elephants, uh, can be very great. And if the people who are going practicing in the forest aren't very wholesome, they don't have much integrity, then they can come to a lot of harm. So we can be very afraid of spirits as well, but actually it's very rare that they damage people. And often they can have a lot of kindness. Um, there was one time that I went to practice in a cremation ground in a forest that the villagers used to bury and burn bodies. And there was a lot of fear that I had staying there. And Pucha described this as being like a, a chilling feeling that goes up one's spine. And I felt this uh, walking into this meditation ground and it's difficult to describe what that chill is like because there's just no, there's no heat there at all. It's like the chill of a dead body. And it's very, very cold. But it's not like any other object. It's not like the coolness of a tree. Um, but that 
cold quality that a dead body has is a very special, unique kind of coolness. So I had that going uh, up my spine as I walked into this ground. And I was afraid that there was a spirit behind me, following me. And so I didn't look back to see if there was anything there. But only after having left that cremation ground did I consider that actually the spirit had a lot of kindness, that there's a group of them that goes to receive any monks that are practicing in the forest because they know that the monks have come to cultivate, to practice the Dhamma. And it's difficult to find monks who are really intent on this practice these days. So they come and they welcome the monks. They protect them from evil spirits because there are some kinds of spirits that are harmful. But these ones with kindness, they can protect uh, the monks from those harmful spirits. And so I went to stay in that cremation ground for about a month, but Ajahn Tong, uh, he stayed there many, many times, and just by himself as well. He went there every year for 10 years, maybe even 50 years, uh, but it's changed a lot now in that place. It's very developed these days. And so this Trudong, it's the practice of uh, reducing the defilements, going against the defilements. And one of them is taking up the practice of staying at the foot of a tree. It's something that we shouldn't forget. Whether we have a nice hut to stay in, we have salas, different kinds of buildings, and we shouldn't forget this practice. But in taking up these practices, we can meet with many different experiences. And snakes, for instance. And many snakes, they're just not afraid of monks. There was one monk uh, staying in the forest, and a snake came along, and it just stayed there, lay there right next to him. It carried on lying there for many hours. And this monk was wondering when it would go away, but it just stayed there. So after a while, the monk said to the snake, well, look, this is the place for a monk to stay. You know, and it's inconvenient for you to be here. I'm trying to practice. It'd be better if you went away and tried to find food some other place. And as soon as he said that, the snake slid away. So in taking up these practices, we have to pass over many obstacles, many difficulties, whether it's snakes or elephants, tigers or ghosts. So the forest monks in Thailand are, told, are called the Tudanga monks, and the monks who take up the ascetic practices, and they're also called Kamatana monks. So we should always keep our Kamatana, our meditation object, with us. Um, always be reciting Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha. To have this uh, close to our hearts, no matter what we're doing, whether we're going out in arms rounds or coming back, we're meditating. When we do the chores, we're meditating. And so this is uh, what we call a monk who is practicing and practicing well. 
So for the lay people, it's also necessary to, to go out and to work, to engage in our various occupations and to be mindful as we're doing that. And we also need to study about our work as well in order to do it successfully. And this is the right livelihood of a lay person. Um, the sama achivo of a monk, the right livelihood of a monk is that of going out on arms round. It's a practice that we should protect and uh, carry on. So we always try to cultivate our minds, have mindfulness, uh, developing our hearts, so that joy and contentment arises inwardly. And this practice um, helps to purify both the body and the mind. And so we see that the Dhamma is that which purifies our hearts, making them bright and clean. So the Dhamma of the Buddha is something that's very amazing. So now it's uh, Lumpo Somchai's birthday, and he's 64 years old. Um, but the number 64 has already come out in the lottery before, so we'll have to see what the next lottery number is. We've all come here to make merit um, and dedicate that to him. But he's spent many years in the robes now. It's 45 years that he's been a monk. And he's been practicing with sincerity, had to pass over many difficulties uh, to get to this point. And many dangers, many hardships, but we've now arrived uh, at his 64th birthday. So for us, we uh, express our joy in the goodness uh, of his life, being a monk, that he has practiced strictly like he has. And Nupucha was uh, complimentary of him, uh, complimenting him in Wat Nambapong, saying that he uh, practiced uh, diligently and was a good monk. And he went to stay at Wat Nambapong uh, after two or three years as a monk, and it really wasn't easy to be there in those days. The food was very scarce. And if uh, we got bananas from arms round, they'd have to be split up into four portions to make it around all of the monks. But before that time, in the really early days of Wat Nambapong, they even had to eat the banana skin as well. Now, however, things are very abundant, and this comes from the barami of the Kruba Ajans, that there is this abundance in the monastery. The barami of the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, the great teachers, their kindness, and oh, sorry, the kindness and the compassion of the laity to come and to support the monks in this way, that you travel from very far distances to come to the monastery, no matter what the weather is like, whether it's raining or there's sunshine, or even if there's a storm, and people still come out to offer food on arms round. And it shows that the merits that people make from this is more than what's normal, more than uh, when people just offer food in front of their houses. So I give my animodana, I rejoice in the goodness of the actions that you've all done. And may you all develop and flourish in your lives.